0: Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It seems like you know ball the let you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of football, I live a pretty boring life. With Matt Harmon. This is an anti-getting greedy podcast
1: here. i been seeing you guys' podcast have blown up here recently, so glad to get
0: on. It's Monday. December 26th, I hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas, a happy holiday weekend. Unfortunately, there were not many great gifts handed down to fantasy players during the fantasy playoffs. I know I took uh, a lot of L's because guys that I typically count on for big games didn't turn in those big games. But we still have an awful lot to talk about from the week uh, that was in fantasy. The week 16 action here to do that with me is... The great Scott see Scott, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Merry Christmas. Uh, Matt Harmon,
1: tight end, reception, perception, King with Dawson Knox and Dolchich both scoring touchdowns. You, you live in the high life. Um, I want to say, I know Christmas is already come and gone, but I just want to set this up once and for all. Pop songs, Christmas. It's Christmas in Hollis one. It's Christmas wrapping two and it is wonderful Christmas time. dead last. There is no worse song. Paul McCartney, I need to reevaluate Paul McCartney's entire <laughs> worthiness because of that horrible song. But um, the NFL, you know, just uh, flexing its muscle, right? I mean, it gives us kind of a messy but watchable game one, and the second game is just a blowout with Baker Mayfield flexing his muscles. And then the third game was we all watched it, but it was horrible, and then it went to overtime. The only thing worse than Tampa Bay football these days is more Tampa Bay football. But Tom Brady's doing the Tim Tebow thing where he plays like garbage for 55 minutes and they bail out the game at the end a lot to break down so let's uh let's be amino acids let's uh let's break it down
0: yeah we've got an awful lot to get into and because we have so many games to recap as a belated Christmas present the Great Lord podcast has gifted Scott and I the ability to skip one game each uh stick around for the full show to figure out which uh, of those games we do not want to talk about and we decided just go ahead and uh skip right through them but let's Start with the games that happened yesterday, Scott, the Christmas Day games. And we'll start with that Rams Broncos game because we got news right before we were starting to tape this morning that uh, Nathaniel Hackett, the era is over. They've decided to go ahead and fire Nate Hackett right now, uh, here on Monday morning, December 26th. Merry Christmas. To Nathaniel Hackett, uh, you're out of a job, pal. Uh, they did reaffirm the Denver Broncos reaffirm their commitment to GM George Payton because you know when you can recommit to the guy that uh, masterminded the Russell Wilson trade, you just absolutely have to do it. Uh, definitely not making Hackett the fall guy at all. Not that I'm like defending Nate Hackett, but I think there's a lot that Denver's got to look in the mirror and ask themselves right now. Because my God, Scott, is there any team right now that that you can think of in the league that has a more grim future that they have to stare down for the 2023 season than the Denver Broncos.
1: Yeah, I said on Twitter during that game, if you told me the Broncos were winless, I would have believed you. The only thing they've really been able to hang their hat on this year is the defense has played very well most of the year, but eventually it's like having too much snow on your roof. You know, eventually the roof's going to collapse. And I think that defense just collapsed in part because Russell Wilson was throwing an interception on every possession in the first (laughs) quarter and they got behind so quickly. And eventually it's just, you know, the the morale is bad on the sidelines. The fact that Hackett got fired now, we all knew, and and look, he's a human being. I don't, I I take no joy in anybody getting fired. You know, that Hackett may be a really good guy for for all I know. I don't know him personally, but we all knew he was going to be a one and done coach. That was pretty much obvious. The fact that he got fired now just I think that probably speaks to the dysfunction here and people being on different pages and, and just not a there's just no cohesion with this team. They look like they just met five minutes before the game started and I thought like the TV programmers thought because we have the Broncos on standalone games like every other week it feels like uh, and thankfully I think this is the last one. I hope, I hope it is. If it's not, please find a way I to flex out of it. I, I can't handle these singular Bronco games. But I'm just curious to see him get fired now. I just it just speaks to how much dysfunction there might be here. I don't know what they how they fix Russell Wilson. I, the next coach or the next coordinator has to be somebody who can magically, you know, I don't know, just somehow scheme him up. We see Ru- Wilson how much he really struggles to see things in the pocket. And he used to be able to get away with a lot of things because he's so athletic. And now he's, what, 33, 34. He doesn't have the same athleticism. But a lot of things have gone wrong. I mean, Javante Williams get hurt a million years ago. They lost Tim Patrick to the detriment of my best ball teams you know, in the summer. So that, that was part of it. A lot of th- just re- really everything has gone wrong for the Broncos this year. But in addition, they, they hire the wrong coach and they make a huge trade for the wrong quarterback. So it's, it's like they hit every pothole there was on that highway.
0: Yeah, the injuries are a huge problem for Denver, and and definitely on offense. Like you mentioned, those are two guys that they thought would be mainstays of this team: Javante Williams and Tim Patrick. I think the Tim Patrick injury was was so crucial because these guys, like Judy and Sutton, they're just they're not they're they're fine, but they're not they're not elite players. And I mean, Judy might have like a higher ceiling that I think will probably be untapped on another team if it's going to happen. It's not going to happen in Denver. But Sutton's hit his ceiling, you know. Uh, So all of these things that have all these like it's a great way to say it like all the things that could go wrong did go wrong for the Denver Broncos but it was a failed operation from the start because Hackett was never going to be that guy as the head coach and Russell Wilson like it's it's got to be painful to hear the phrase like oh well yeah the next head coach has to be an offensive guy that's going to figure out Russ because this seems like the, the the fifth time we've done this with Russ like they did this multiple times at the offensive coordinator spot in in uh in Seattle and every single time it's like well Russell Wilson just is who he is this is the this every Offense becomes the Russell Wilson offense, and now a Russell Wilson offense looks a lot like this because I still think that it's all failed and it's all doomed because he still doesn't have an understanding of who he is. Uh, did you see that clip um, where Sutton is like losing his mind because all the uh, you know, like Russell Wilson's not taking off and scrambling? It's just crazy. That's so emblematic of uh of where we are right now.
1: I don't have anything to add to that, other than how depressing that you know. To to cleanse my palate, I need to talk about the Baker Mayfield led Los Angeles Rams. Baker Mayfield.
0: Now that says something right there. Now that's I'm happy, that I'm says happy
1: for Baker. You know, as much as Russell Wilson is the punchline of Twitter today, Baker Mayfield was in that space for a long time. And I, I know the the Raiders game; he didn't play particularly well until the end of it, but he bailed it out. He obviously plays well here, and, and you know Cam Akers and Tyler Higbee both had blow up games and. There's been some talk on Twitter from people I respect, you know, like people like Matthew Barry and, and David Kluge are talking about, Oh, you know, Akers and Higby. I feel sorry for people who lost to those guys in fantasy. Akers, for weeks 13 to 15, was running back 12 in standard, running back 14 in PPR. He was very startable this week as an RB2. Automatic start? No. Does he start himself? No. But you knew he'd get double-digit touches. You knew he'd have goal line equity. Now, he hit the high end of his range. He hit the game of his life. I get it. So if you get trampled by Cam Akers, I feel a little bit of sympathy for you. But he was playable. I think probably everybody probably had him in their top 20 somewhere. The Higby game feels more out of nowhere. I know he had that huge... December run was the 2019 it was a few years ago but he had one touchdown on the season he basically was one of those you know four point a week tight ends that you're normally getting and he throws up you know a monster game the best ties for the best game of his career scores a couple of touchdowns nine catches I mean you just don't see that from tight ends these days with rare exception although a couple guys did blow up this week George Kittle's been great lately Hawkinson had a huge game but Yeah, I was in one fantasy semifinal where my opponent was going to play Higby, but he got Dallas Goddard back. It's like, why wouldn't you play Goddard? I wouldn't have flipped the game anyway. I got really lucky with a lot of red-green lights in that game, but... Um, Higby, Higby was, to me, the more out-of-nowhere story. I think Akers is a, a very sustainable business model now. He owns this backfield, and he's got, he even got some third-down work, which he usually doesn't get. And Bayfield's been okay. Bayfield hasn't been horrible. And Sean Payton's still coaching his butt off, man. And, and he's done really well against teams where he knows the, the coordinator. Like in this case, he knew the defensive scheme of Denver, and he really uh, solved it expertly. Um, it was just nice to see the Rams play a good football game because they've had such an awful season for the most part that I actually felt good for the, you know, I felt I didn't play Baker anywhere. I don't know how you could have, but I felt good for the Rams in this game because I, McVay's another guy, you know, people just wanted to dump on him. Like, oh, okay, well, you know, he, you know, where's the genius now? You know, well, how come Sean McVay doesn't have the answers anymore? Sean McVay's still a hell
0: of a football coach. I really hope that McVay doesn't like retire, doesn't take a leave of absence, anything like that, because I, I agree with you. He's a hell of a football coach. And I think, taking this sort of ragtag group of guys right now, you know, acres who was on the outs with the team at the trade deadline, right? Like he, this is a guy that it seems like, Oh, he is, he's not going to be around anymore. They're going to, they can't find a trade partner for him. They're going to cut him. Well, they end up cutting his backfield mate, Daryl Henderson, you know um, this, this group of wide receivers that doesn't have Cooper cup doesn't have Allen Robinson, you know, it's van Jefferson and the boys there, you know, Baker Mayfield, who they claimed a couple of weeks ago. I, I love seeing him sort of adjust against a good defense in Denver. I mean, I, I'm with you that there might be some guys there that are, are starting to check out because they know this is not like a serious operation right now. They know they're they're getting a, they got a dead man walking at head coach. They know they've got a huge problem at quarterback. But still, it's a defense that by and large has been pretty good this year. And I, I, they went up and down the field on them in, in this game. And I don't know. I, I just think from a legacy building standpoint, I I would personally like to see. McVay stick around and, and kind of have a counterpunch to the, the, the Super Bowl era Rams and like what what else is going to happen here I mean I don't know, I agree with you. He's a great football coach. I think that it would be a really, it would be real, it would be a shame if he ended up walking away from this team because I know the rumors are out there. But uh, I, I, I would just, I, I hope that we don't see. that. I mean, he's, he's
1: already been to sure. two Super Bowls with two different quarterbacks. You know. Uh, yeah, McVay is on the short list. He's one of those guys that if he did retire or walk away, he'd have as many job offers as he wanted in ten minutes. Like Mike Tomlin ever said, you know, I'm done in Pittsburgh. He could get, he could get hired in ten seconds if he wanted to. Sean McVay is obviously one of those guys.
0: I mean, we've got Sean Payton out there right now. Uh, maybe he's... I don't know why the hell Sean Payton would want to... He could That guy could have any job he wants, right? He could pick and choose. Uh, I don't know why he'd want to come to f- for this Denver situation and be like, oh, I'm going to be the guy that's going to fix Russell Wilson. But um, they do at least have money. <laughs> the, the Broncos at least All have a lot money. of money. They got that Walmart money, man. So that could be, that could be a, a potential Sean Payton landing spot. Let's move on to the next game here. Packers 26, Dolphins 20. Oh, man. There's a lot of different... Uh, directions we could go here. Um, the Packers have won three straight, uh, and man, this this was as as depressing as a game you could possibly get if you were like a, a a big time Tua backer in this island spot here.
1: Yeah, when when the timing offenses don't work, when the receiver and quarterback aren't on the same page, it leads to some really awful stuff and some ugly interceptions. Which Tua threw a bunch of them in the second half. They don't score in the second half. They miss a field goal. And now it's all this well. Is Tua just succeeding because of Hill, because of Waddle? And, and we have to go back to all that stuff. Meanwhile, every Minnesota Viking fan is petrified that somehow the zombie Packers are going to make the playoffs as the seventh seed and beat Minnesota. <laughs> In fact, Green Bay is favored this week. I try I, I try to block out the, off the uh, point spreads until I've managed to work on them myself. And then I compare them. But it came up on Twitter somewhere, so I couldn't avoid it. The um, Packers are favored over the Vikings, man. Minnesota gets no respect. I get it. I've, I've kind of been dubious of how much I should respect Minnesota, too. We'll talk about them later. But, you know, you know the, another thing with the Packers, by the way, Aaron Rodgers, it, it, it's like somebody told the Packers, yeah, if Aaron Rodgers throws for 300 yards, he has to retire. They never, they always, every week it's 238, 240,
0: 222, 219. I know. I thought this was the week, too. I thought this was going to be the week he, he had that 300-yard game. It's interesting. You see the the score, and you know, the Packers
1: win, and they get almost no fantasy juice out of this game. Aaron Jones got dinged up. Christian Watson got hurt. Nobody played Alan Lazard. Yeah, the touchdown goes to Mercedes Lewis. You know, Dylan Dylan got the touchdown deodorant. Every other Packer, other than Mason Crosby, because they had to settle for all those field goals. And uh, and, and by the way, man, I why would anybody i'll talk about this more with the minnesota giants game if anybody who suffered through the cold weather kickers when there were so many obvious warm weather kickers you could have gone to i picked up sanders in one of my leagues he was fine i mean i, I wanted him to make the kick in the second half but it, it's it's like this is not this is not 3d chess here you know it's december the weather's nasty a bunch of places you know go indoors with your kickers but um where are we with two a man uh, for fantasy, he's as long as he has that hill and waddle undertow, it's not really a big deal. I think he's actually a pretty easy solve for fantasy. But I mean, five years from now, is Tua going to be in the middle of this long glorious run with the Dolphins, or is somebody else going to be the
0: quarterback? Man, I, it's really tough. Um, God, they've lost four straight. Uh, the Dolphins, and and three of those four games, he's looked, he's been the problem. I think the reason they've lost those games that that's pretty bad. Um, and it's just crazy that. You've got a receiver core that's capable of unbelievable things. And th- th- you, you can't help but watch any any of these Dolphin games, Scott. And I, I don't care how big of a Tua fan you are. And I, I like it. I think he's a pretty good player. But you can't watch those games and not be like, man, anybody could do this, right? Anybody could run this offense because of how good these guys are, because of how wide open they are. And, you know, Jalen Waddle taking like a little 12 yard pass and running at 84 yards. I love that. Touchdown. The
1: Waddle touchdown is one of those. This is really a touchdown highlights. Yeah, yeah. this is really a touchdown.
0: Yeah, I know, right? Like this guy is going to score a touchdown. Like w- watch where he caught that ball. It's it's unbelievable stuff and I definitely just can't help but feel like Tua is going to end up like Jared Goff with the Rams. You know, we just talked about that with with Sean McVay that he will eventually be a guy that they look at and uh, you know, and obviously the Rams end up extending Jared Goff before bouncing him out of town uh, in the Matthew Stafford trade. I don't even know if the Dolphins get to that point with with Tua. I mean, he's he's a really nice fit for the anticipation he has, the accuracy he has, but he's just a limit. I, I still think he's a limited quarterback. And uh, while he's certainly like above average, he's certainly starting caliber. I can't help but wonder if they, if the Dolphins get to a point too where they're like, yeah, you know what, we'll we'll we'd like to ride somebody else in this spot rather than extend him. I, that's how I. Feel. I'm
1: sure a lot of quarterbacks in the league were like, yeah, I'd like to be throwing the ball to Tyreek Kill and Jalen Waddle. Those guys are just ridiculous. I also wonder what may have really hurt Miami in this game. We know the Packers can't stop the run, and Miami was running the ball fine. And then Mostert has a late second quarter fumble. Miami's on the move, looks like they're going to score again. They actually never did score again. And after that, Mostert didn't play a lot. He also was part of another um, turnover where he had a miscommunication with Tua. So it's it's one of those picks that looks horrible for Tua, but for all we know, maybe it was Mostert's fault. Uh, we, We don't know what the exact assignment was. We know that Tua and Mostert weren't on the same page. So when you see I know a lot of people who had most of props or most of fantasy interests are, are frustrated, like why didn't you get more touches? I think the fumble and the pick probably at least the fumble, maybe the pick too, and, although I'm not sure of that, probably played into it, but Miami probably has to wonder, why did we run all over these Packers? Everybody's run all over them. We have two backs who could have done it, and we got away from that. I don't know how much the fumble played into that, but I think that was a big inflection point in this game and how the Packers stole it. I still don't think Green Bay is a good team. Man, they had everything go right. They win this game, and every other team that's in their orbit to try to make the playoffs, they all lost. All the teams they needed to lose lost. It's amazing how everything fell Green Bay's way this week, but... I'd still prefer them not to be in the play other than the fact that like, he's Rogers and it will be an interesting story. And what is uh, Lafleur's now 15 and I think is the December head coach. I don't know if there's anything yep. to that, but um, it's,
0: it's his time of year, I guess. Yeah. And look, I think one thing that's interesting about this Packers team and the, the level of competition, obviously, you know, take that into, into account here with what I'm about to say, but you know, they allow 19 points to the Bears, uh, the first game in December. Then they are on their bye week. They allow 12 points to the ba- 12 points to the Baker Mayfield Rams, who just put up 50 on the Denver Broncos. So I don't know what to think about that. And then they allow 20 points to the Dolphins here. The biggest problem, and I know that from a fantasy angle, we talk about the Packers' offense all the time. We talk about these receivers and Aaron Rodgers, and is he on the same page with these guys? He, no 300 yard passing games, no top 10 fantasy weeks, all this stuff with Rodgers. But I think the biggest problem for the Packers this year, um, it's been pass protection one and two. Um, their defense has not been at all like they have all those first round picks over there. They're they're never a needle moving defense. I I do kind of wonder if that unit might be you know turn the corner a little bit as they get healthier, but also as they you know maybe just get guys more integrated that remains to be seen. I do kind of think Scott, a little bit that the Packers are interesting from a standpoint of, we usually almost always see them go into the playoffs, you know, resting guys as a number one seed playing at home, yada, yada. I, I would be kind of interested to see green Bay as like a, a seventh seed in the NFC playoffs. And like, what could they do is sort of more of a berserker team um than, than like a favorite. I, I don't know that I do find that interesting. Uh, last. L- l- let me Dolphins reframe here, that.
1: Let me reframe that. I actually think the yeah, Packers it. Vikings, first round matchup would be delicious. Cause again, and I, oh, and too, I love yeah. the people. I love the, <laughs> the people of Minnesota, are the friendliest people in the world is also the best hockey state in America. And this is, I'm saying this is somebody who grew up in, in in new England. Massachusetts is probably number two, but a distant number two. I love Minnesota, but having them have to be par- petrified that they're going to lose to this Packers team in round one, it actually would actually, which they are right now. And they're playing this week. Yeah. That's really fun. I, I think a Packers Vikings round three in the playoffs would actually have a lot of juice.
0: Yeah. um, And there's no better fan base about being like, oh, my God, this expecting disaster, just waiting for the worst to come than the Vikings. Uh, they're, they're at least pretty good about that. Uh, The Dolphins have the Patriots and the Jets on the schedule here. They're currently the seventh seed. Uh, Five thirty eight has them at a 67 percent chance to make the playoffs. I don't know. God, could you imagine if, if they drop those two games to New England and, and New York? I don't think they will. Uh, we'll see. We, we're going to talk about the Jets. Well, we do not talk about the Jets today, but they did say that Mike White's going to start Week 17. But oh, I don't thank know. God. Be an interesting thank one you. There. Thank you. This uh, salvation. Yeah, for real. I mean, the Jets have played four I, quarterbacks
1: I, this year, and Zach Wilson's the worst of the four. What does that tell you? A, a guy I had never actually heard of. I cover the NFL. I, I did not. I had not heard of the guy they played. I know he was on Miami. Chris Trevler. Yeah. I know he's from Miami um, originally, but he, what he was South Dakota? I think he played his college football. He's he's a CFL legend, uh, Chris Strebler. Zach I Wilson mean, is yeah. has been their fourth best quarterback this year, and if they played somebody else a quarterback, he'd be their fifth best quarterback. Oh, thank yeah, God! I'm so glad you told me that. My, my day has been me. Boxing day has been has been sal. You know, we have salvation, man. We have salvation. The the Jets have boxed up Zach Wilson. And Mike White is going to save us next week, so we can play Garrett Wilson. So we can play maybe Elijah Moore. You know, we at least feel good about the offense. I, I don't even. Who are the Jets playing next week?
0: Miami. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, but uh, at okay. least we can at least we can watch the game uh, and not feel like. I mean, that is just it was. That's uh, so another so fan base that's always play. waiting for
1: the for the sky to fall too. By the way, the Jets. I mean, they haven't been in the Super Bowl since Super Bowl
0: three, which was a long time ago, man. They'll play in Seattle in week seventeen. We're going to talk about the Seahawks oh, here in just a little bit, but first. Scott, I know we're, we're delaying the inevitable here. We have to talk about Buccaneers 19, Cardinals 16. Your comparison at the top of the podcast that Tom Brady is pulling a Tim Tebow. I mean, <laughs> that's not something I thought we'd be saying here in 2022, pal.
1: Yeah, Tampa Bay delays the inevitable. They play 55 minutes of garbage offense every week, and then they get it going late. And Mina, Mina Kimes was wondering this on Twitter, the great ESPN analyst, and I've been thinking about this a lot. Why can't Tampa Bay replicate what they do late in games? Great question. Okay, it's a lot of different things. So, you know, you go hurry up. Brady has more control of the offense. So you can say, well, are they being successful because the defense is tired? Do they not want to play that way early in the game? Because if you go three and out, you're putting a a big ask on your own defense because you're putting them back on the field again. You know, late in the game when you're desperate, you don't really care about that so much. But maybe that's why teams eschew the hurry up early because they don't like what it does to the flow of the game for your defense. If you are not successful. But I think they have Tampa Bay ask that, ask themselves some questions. What what are we doing that works late and how can we get that more into this game? Now, I also think Tampa Bay screwed up. I know they, they're a team that uses two backs. And what they do is when it's a white possession, it's all white. When it's a four net possession, it's all four net. Yeah, White started this game with a couple of, of second-level runs, and, th- and then he couldn't get on the field. And I, I think maybe just his possessions didn't go that deep. Maybe Brady threw poorly on some of those. Again, Brady looked awful for two and a half hours. And and Mike Evans, you know, might as well have been retired. He hasn't scored since week four. I think he's, the last two months he's like receiver sixty-five or something like that. I mean, I, I, he's no no longer an automatic play. And I, I wish I'd given you that a month ago. I had a game where I could have lost if Mike Evans blew up. And I'm like, should I even hedge against this? I actually hedged a little bit, but I wasn't really worried about it. I actually started to root for some of my Mike Evans props, even though it was against me in fantasy. But um, I'm not a big Byron Leftwich fan. I don't think he's doing a good job here. Brady's certainly culpable. Um, He doesn't want to get hit. He doesn't want to hold the ball. Every time they throw a deep pass, it, it seems like the pass is nowhere near where the receiver is. Another guy, it looks like he met all of his teammates five minutes before the game. I think I speak for anybody who's not a Buccaneers fan. I want the Panthers to win this division. Uh, they play oh, hard. Too. They play with hard. I, I feel like Tampa Bay still has a sense of entitlement to it. Uh, I'd rather see the pan. Although well, Brady, you know the, the the Buccaneers at least will be an interesting car wreck if they make it. But I think the Panthers are a better football team, and for me, they're an easier team to rally around. So I'm kind of rooting against Tampa Bay. On the other side, uh, who knew Greg Dort? Hey Scott, was, before before we talk yep.
0: before we talk to the other team, would you can you guess what Tom Brady's time to throw was yesterday? Just just give me a guess. Well. I— that that's probably speaks to how it's measured
1: because he was getting rid of the ball immediately, like what probably one point three seconds or something.
0: Yeah, one point eight eight, which is absurd. I mean, one yeah. point anything below two is like ridiculous. He's been at like he's been getting rid of the ball faster than anybody else this year. He's been at like two point three something like that, which is just insane. But getting the ball out in under two seconds is. It's rid- it's ridiculous. I mean, it's it's crazy the, the, this whole idea, you know, it's like, oh man, Mike Evans and Tom Brady are not never on the same page. Well, no kidding. Like you don't have <laughs> two seconds. That's not enough time to run the route. Like that's not enough time to get to where you're supposed to be. And and the guy's getting rid of the ball so fast. Oh Man, I, I mean, I, I'm with you that I, I don't even think they'd be a beautiful car wreck. Like it's a car wreck that I I've watched for you know 16 weeks now. I don't want to see one more second of this car wreck. And it is bizarre that they do seem to get it going in the hurry up mode. But I would also say that, you know, your, to your point about Byron Lefwich, like there's, there hasn't seemed to be a lot of like introspection from that coaching staff all, all year, you know, when asked questions about, you know, play calls and stuff like that. So God, I I just, this is a team I can't wait to just break up with. Like, I, I can't wait for Brady to move on. I, I think he'll probably play somewhere else next year. I, do I don't too. know that any of these guys are like Todd Bowles and, and Byron Lefwich, like hot coaching names last year. I can't imagine they'll be, you know, Anywhere close to to desirable candidates, uh, if Bowles is you know relieved of his duties by this team, I'm not sure how that would go. But you know, Byron Leftwich, like I don't think he's getting any head coach interviews this offseason. So
1: Leonard Fournette says he's playing through a list. Frank, how does he get 29 touches if Rashad White gets 11 uh, touches? That's that's malpr- And I, I realize Fournette was effective in the passing game, at least on on that one big catch uh, that, that cosmetically helped his numbers out. But he did catch nine to ten passes. Him and Brady have a decent rapport, but. The fact that Rashad White came out as hot as he did and he got seven carries in this game, that, that's malpractice. That doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah, it's just uh, they're stuck to their script. Like you said, this guy gets this drive, this guy gets this drive, and that's what we're going to do. It doesn't matter. Like, There's no in-game adjustment. You have to be pliable. His- that
1: is dumb. Also, frustrating to see uh, not only did k dotton only catch two of his seven targets, but he also had a couple of procedural penalties. And that's another thing with these Buccaneers team. I remember the first game Brady played as a Buccaneer. They went to New Orleans, and after a first touchdown drive to start the game, they had a bunch of, like, false starts and just really, like, mental penalties, like, unprepared penalties, lack of focus penalties. And this Buccaneers team reminds me of that. They do a lot of dumb things, and it's just weird to see Brady associated with that because usually he kind of irons that out. Um, But come on, let's go Panthers, man. I I really hope Carolina wins this year because I can get behind that team. I
0: can't get behind this team. Yep, me neither. Uh, there was another team in this game. Was there? Uh, that I suppose we have to. You talk sure about, about this? <laughs> I okay. Thanks. So. I think so. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, 16 points. Trace McSorley, 24 of 45. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, one catch uh, on the day. I mean, you knew the risks. If you had to roll DeAndre Hopkins out there, you knew the risks, but this was about as bad as it got. I, I want to know if there's anybody out there played Greg Dortch in any game of consequence. Not only does he get 10
1: for 98, so apparently he's in McSorley's back pocket, but he gets three carries for 25 yards. There's a Greg Dortch, you know, pseudo blow up game. He doesn't get a touchdown out of it. James Conner does what he does, He he gets the. The volume he, he gets a touchdown equity. You know, you, you could have played him because you know he never comes off the field. Um, Mc, McSorley looked like what he is—a third-string quarterback making his first start. It, it's also amazing. Tampa Bay—they're seven and eight. They played so many bad quarterbacks. There's so many backup quarterbacks. You know, they they played uh, Trubisky, and somehow and, they're in
0: close games with all of them. <laughs> I know, I know. In their life and death, it's
1: it's the it's the Tebow 2011 season, man, where Tebow couldn't get out of his own way for two and a half hours, and then late. Teams would do things, you know, in, in this in this game, the the Cardinals have a third and short and they, they try to pitch it wide. And they end up getting a, a fumble and uh, Cliff Kingsbury, man, I, I there's another guy I won't miss when, when he's gone. I don't know what they'll do after the season. He obviously signed a monster extension, so they might be stuck with him. You know, he wasn't really getting much out of Kyler Murray. I, I always felt like this offense, the, the craziest thing, Murray's their best quarterback, of course. I'm, I'm not intimating anything different than that. But the only time I could really watch Arizona this year was with Colt McCoy because I felt like they had a, a little bit of stability with him that they didn't have with anybody else. I, I can't blame McSorley. He's not supposed to be playing. So it's it's not what he did to Hopkins. It's, I mean, Hopkins for a long time, looked like Hopkins wouldn't even get a catch in this game, which is the story usually with Hopkins is that he's quarterback proof.
0: I think we finally found a quarterback who can break Hopkins, and that's Trace McSorley. Unfortunately, we had to find out here in week 16 of this year. All right, next game. Chiefs 24 Seahawks 10 this one these feel like two teams that just about as expected right this this kind of played out as we expected it and you know the backfield uh we've been talking a lot on this show uh Jarrett McKinnon not going to be the running back uh one this week uh but he did get into the end zone and Pacheco does basically uh producer John wrote it on the outline this is the Pacheco 14 carries 58 yards nice little yards per carry but did get a long catch and run as well
1: yeah just I mean I I said you had to play McKinnon this week unless you had royalty at running back and he bails out with a touchdown, but he only gets eight touches. He only gets what? 38 total yards. So a disappointing game for him. I think Dalton Daldon, our colleague had this stat that Seattle's defense actually forced Kansas city into the most three and outs they've had all season, which is shocking to me. Cause I thought the Seahawks defense was just somebody that the chiefs could name the score against. I thought they'd put up, you know, 450 or 500 yards. This felt like a playing with their food game for Kansas City, but I mean, how, how much could you really get up for Seattle in this spot? On the flip side, man, I, you know, ju- I, just when I went all in on Geno Smith, that bubble is bursting. I mean, I know he didn't have Lockett in this game, and then Marquise Goodwin, who was doing nothing, got hurt in this game. That didn't help. But 5.4 an attempt, 215 uh, passing, just one touchdown, throws a pick, takes a couple of sacks. I, some people might have needed Geno in this game. He didn't come through. I mean, Metcalf at least got seven catches, but uh, Seattle... I thought they were a playoff team a month ago, and now it's like I'm, I'm looking forward to the end of their season. And, and I, again, without Locke, it's a big thing. At least Kenneth Walker looked pretty good. But um, this was not, I'm surprised this game's this high up in the rundown because I felt this, I felt most of what I needed in this game was a little bit underwhelming.
0: Yeah, Geno Smith, 22nd in EPA per dropback since week 10. So um, that's a pretty serious regression from where we were at earlier in the year when he was like leading the NFL in that metric at certain times. So, it's just, yeah, the bubbles definitely burst for Geno. I think Geno should come back as a starter for this team next year. They might still want to inject some youth into the position, maybe some competition to the position. But overall, I, I think, like like you said, this game is pretty high on the rundown for for what it ended up being. All right, next game up here, Vikings 27, Giants 24. This game was pretty fun, Scott.
1: A lot of fun. Uh, Justin Jefferson might be the number one pick in fantasy next year, and, he's, man, he's done it in the money weeks. I think 25 or more fantasy points, three straight games. And just a 12 for 133 and one, and you won't even remember this game for Jefferson because he just does so many games like this. They, they run together after a while. Only Kirk Cousins could like throw for 299 and three. And you still feel like he left some stuff on the table, 6.2 yards per attempt. He doesn't have great metrics this year, but Hawkinson had a big game. Actually, I was surprised. I didn't notice until this week that Hawkinson, he he's been productive in Minnesota, but it's been mostly because of a volume boost. His efficiency was actually better in Detroit, but he looked terrific today. And, He's still in his mid-20s, first-round pick. Maybe he's ready to cash in on his pedigree. I talked last week in the preview on Thursday, and this is like fantasy 101, that like, okay, it's December. There's a lot of cold weather. You know, try to go indoors with your kickers. It's, it's pretty obvious, right? And I had a couple of people write to me, including my my dear cousin uh, Dennis, after the game, like, yeah, I I know I should have played one of the kickers in Minnesota. You know, Gano's a good kicker. I don't think Joseph's a great kicker, but he was indoors instead he rolled with McPherson or Folk or some combination of that with his playoff teams. And they, mm, they, yeah. they were missing everything in new England because the weather was so horrible. You just look, if you want to play Justin Tucker, no matter what, I'll get it. But kick kickers, there's so many good ones, the level of kicking. And, and I realized that, look, they moved the extra point back. So I think we maybe sweat kicking more than we should these days, but it's really simple. If, if there's bad weather involved, don't mess with that kicker. If there's, in good weather or an indoor game involved. And also, I mean, the Vikings can't stop anything with their pass defense. So this game looked like it was going to have scoring. It's one of those rare fantasy games where just about anything, Dalvin Cook was a mild disappointment, but I think anybody else you played got there, right? All three Giants receivers got there. Barkley got there. Jefferson got there. Hawkinson got there. I guess Thielen would be the other piece of collateral damage. But a fantasy game that's clean, you know, Daniel Jones did a lot of running. He went over 300 yards. This is about as clean a fantasy game as you could have gotten, it's because well the giants secondary is sketchy and the viking secondary is horrible and they played indoors you know it wasn't yeah. hard to get to this game
0: no it really wasn't there were so many things that could have led you to this being a great fantasy ecosystem a great game environment it 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 pulled through despite the lack of talent in the giants receiver core that minnesota secondary man is so so generous so uh, i i definitely think this was a good one and by the way scott you know, I know we talked about, um, you know, the Vikings and like the specter of the Packers potentially going in there and, you know, their favorite next week. At what point do we give them credit, though, for like, I know their record in one square game. It's like, well, you know, that that points to them not being as good as their their overall final record, which I think is, is still true, by the way. But at what point do we give them credit for like, hey, you know what? They do pull through in those clutch moments
1: above the school of thought that you show your greatness more by pummeling people than you do by edging them out by three or you're finding a way to win a close game. So I, I side towards their point differential being more of a comment against them than a comment to how gritty and tough and clutch they are. I also want to point out that Daniel, Daniel Jones is probably having the most underappreciated good season at quarterback, maybe very good season because he's throwing it. He's throwing to guys who should not be number one and number two receivers. And I like Darius Slayton. You know, I don't dislike James. I don't dislike Isaiah Hodgins, but these are all support players on a good team. And they're asked to be every snap, you know, every route guys for the Giants. And again, they were all good here. And Jones, you know, who runs, they didn't pick up his option, man. In a year where I still think the overarching fantasy theme of this year has been the poor quarterback play, the Giants have gotten good quarterback play out Daniel Jones just about every week. And I, I don't think he's getting enough credit for that.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, I think they got to bring him back on like some sort of short term deal. They can't really franchise tag him because of Saquon Barkley, stuff like that. And just in general, do you really want to franchise tag Daniel Jones? But there's I would be I would be pretty interested to see what he would look like if uh, this team actually had a serious wide receiver core. Because, I mean, this is like you said, it's just a complete joke of where they thought they would be heading into this season. Now, Scott, here's a game I thought should be higher on the rundown. Cowboys 40, Eagles 34. Might be the best game of the regular season. Terrific game. Felt like
1: a playoff game. Lead changes, a lot of scoring. Uh, some fantasy frustration, right? I mean, Tony Pollard dropped a walk-in touchdown late in this game. But most of the guys got there. You know, Sanders didn't get in the end zone, but and, and Goddard only had three catches in his first game back. I, th- I thought Minshew played better. I'm sorry, uh, Statted he came out statistically better than he did with his play. I thought he was a little bit I frenetic. He did throw the two interceptions. But still, I mean when you have to go to your backup quarterback and you get 355, you get 8.9 yards per attempt, you get 2. Point, uh two touchdowns. Devonta Smith was really good. You know AJ Brown is, is just uncoverable and hopefully he's okay. A little dinged up late in this game. Just another I'd love to see the Eagles and Cowboys play again. Um the Eagles are going to still I think get the number 1 seed. So they're going to the, the great thing about that is they won't have to go through a combination of two of the better teams cuz some of them will eliminate themselves, but this was I thought the best game of the weekend and a little frustrating to rip up an Eagles ticket because I thought Eagles plus four plus four and a half was the right side, but just haymakers back and forth and the way football should be lead changes make sports exciting and plenty of lead changes in here and, and mostly a fantasy juice game. Look, I guess Pollard's the guy that let you down and and maybe you want a little bit more from Sanders, but it feels like anything else you would have punched up here, got home for you.
0: Yeah, pretty much in the passing game, everybody, uh, everybody came through, Uh, you know, obviously Zeke had the, had the rushing touchdown, Definitely, I, I would have, I would have personally uh, liked a little more from Miles Sanders, but that, <laughs> that's topic for another time. Um, I agree with you that Minchu There, there were definitely some moments where it's like, oh, you know, I, I don't know that, um, I don't know that somebody that's looking for a starting quarterback next year, you know, and he's a free agent is going to look back at this film and be like, yeah, that's the guy I want to hitch my wagon to, something like that, because I know that was a talking point in the game. But you know, overall, quality backup quarterback performance. Well, we got to get, I mean, we got to get this game again in the playoffs because we've seen. Dallas with their backup quarterback lose to the Eagles. We've seen the Eagles with their backup quarterback lose to Dallas. Like We definitely need a rematch of this game. Um, one injury note coming out of it that's pretty significant, uh, Lane Johnson's out oh, for yeah. the rest of the regular season with a Terrible. torn abdominal tear, which is which sucks because that offensive line is like the building block of what makes everything in that offense go. Uh, and Lane Johnson's just been such like a, a stud for so long. I, I hope we can get him back for the playoffs, man. It's been multiple years since he's allowed a sack. Think about that. Just,
1: just, you park insane. this guy on the right hand side of, of your your bookend tackles. It's like, okay, his guy is never,
0: his man is never beating him. No, never beating him. Um, man, uh, two incredible young wide wide receiver performances in this one. Uh, Devontae Smith, man, if you. I, I still feel like people don't understand how good Devontae Smith is. This was the type of game, too, where, you know, we knew that this was a weakness coming into the game, right? Dallas is a attackable spot for, with second wide receivers, right? Because, you know, and obviously A.J. Brown gets his 103 yards, whatever. But we know that left corner spot for the Cowboys is a huge weakness. And Trayvon Diggs even did a little bit of shadowing on A.J. Brown in this game. And and man, they paid the price for it with just big play after big play with Devontae Smith and um, C.D. Lamb as well. It was pretty impressive, I think, because Kellen Moore is a guy who I think is a good play caller, but I think sometimes their sequencing is a little strange. I think sometimes they're not quite to the degree with um, with Byron Lefwich and, and, and Tampa Bay and, and what's going on there, but they get on a script and they want to stay on their script and like they want to stay in their sequence instead of just being like, you know what? This is a matchup that's really working for us. We're just really going to hammer that over and over again. And as soon as uh, a Maddox went out, the nickel corner for the Eagles, they just hammered that slot corner with cd lamb over and over again he was basically uncoverable in this game and and it was pretty cool to see ty hilton on the other end of the uh age wide receiver perspective there 52 yard catch uh in a clutch moment hey that's why they brought that guy in there it was pretty cool to see
1: i know seasonal rankings can lie to you a little bit but for the year a.j brown's wide receiver five cd lamb's wide receiver seven devonta smith wide receiver ten so you're at least getting
0: your ADP back and probably making a profit on all three of those guys. Oh, especially on Devonte Smith. I, I, I buried Smith because I wasn't sure this team was going to throw the ball enough, but uh, man, he's been incredible. I think like he is a, he's not a number two receiver. He is the Eagles number two receiver, but I think he's more of a one B quality receiver. Just like, just like T Higgins is the Bengals number two receiver or something like that. But like he could be a team's one. I think the, the Eagles teams have teams easily one. been,
1: the Eagles have easily been the best fantasy team of the year because they have five core guys. And I realize Hurts is hurt right now. But Hurts, Sanders, Brown, Smith, and Goddard have all been plus plays every week they're healthy. And they can score yep. together in concert, which is really difficult. A lot of times when you have a running quarterback who's taking touchdowns off the board for the offense, it hurts. Because it's like, well, when he scores, nobody else can score with him. But if you drafted any of those five guys, and I realize you've had to replace Hurts, you know, and maybe you picked up Minshew, which would have been just fine. He even snuck in a touchdown rushing. But all of those guys have – and I realize Goddard, you know, it's frustrating. He got hurt and everything. And his efficiency is so great. We'd love to see him get more opportunity. But what a clean off. And in a year where so many things – I think there's been so few right answers this year, Matt – I feel this has been a handful of right answers. Then there's been like some of those timing plays. Like if you had Devonta Foreman at the right time, you picked up Jahan Dotson at the right time or something like that. But the Eagles offense is one gigantic five-man right answer.
0: It really is to the point that um, anytime Minshew dropped back to pass and a a throw went to Quez Watkins, I was like, okay, hey, that – That'll be enough of that, okay? Listen, I it, it's you know Watkins only comes away in this game with five targets. It's not like he got peppered or anything, anything like that. But you know, one catch, nineteen yards on those five targets. It's like, all right, Minchu, that's enough. Get back to your core guys, okay? Like that. That'll be enough of that. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a quick break and we come back. We got to talk about Scott P. Now he's Carolina Panthers on the other side. Right after this. all right Scott Panthers 37 Lions 23 David Tepper said when he fired his you know previous prized possession in Matt rule right they gave him that absurd contract you know Tepper's going to get his man he's going to get on the plane he's not going to let the old Matt rule out of his grips well he ends up firing Matt rule fewer than three years on the job he said of Steve Wilkes once they made that move oh yeah if he does an incredible job he'll be in consideration I think Steve Wilkes has done an incredible job here with these Carolina Panthers.
1: I do. The only frustrating thing for me in this game, I mean, look, 320 yards rushing for Carolina over Detroit, rushing defense that had played exceptionally well for about two months now. They yeah. just absolutely, it's just like Buffalo's just trampling a stampede. It's frustrating that Donta Foreman was so. That un- that's not just unimpressive, but he hardly played in that Pittsburgh game. It would have been really hard, I think, for a lot of people to have any faith in Foreman this week. So you wouldn't have missed out on 165 and a touchdown. You know, Hubbard was really good. D.J. Moore, two weeks in a row, double-digit points. I mean, I know Darnold's not throwing a lot, but Moore's come through. And, and again, as Dalton pointed out, you know, the slot coverage has been so bad for the Lions this year. It looked like a D.J. Moore spot, and it was like yeah, this team. It's the young. Job. The defense is young. They play hard. They, they seem like they have a unified purpose. They've had a lot of movement at quarterback. They're playing a guy who was you know, basically thrown away by his previous organization. They trade McCaffrey. And, and not look, Christian McCaffrey's great and everything, but he's obviously the signature player on the team. He's gone, head coach gone, quarterback situation, just shuffling about. And here they are. Everybody's kind of tinkered. Everybody's a little... Adopted, you know fuzzy team in that division unless you're a Buccaneers fan and I don't know other than Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans I don't know who else is rooting for that team because they're so unlikable right now they just get them off my screen I really yeah. want to see the Panthers make the playoffs and at least for the Lions okay the running game goes nowhere I get it they fell behind so much so I get why you'd mothball the running game golf had a good game uh, a lot of it in garbage time Chark was decent against the Carolina defense that gives it away on the boundary and, and St. Brown did his, did his thing okay fine Shane Zilstra, out of nowhere, a guy who nobody had ranked, nobody had on the radar, scores three touchdowns. A year where we can't get anything at tight end, he puts up the 526-3 Christmas miracle, man. I I don't even think he's like I don't even think anybody's best ball teams benefited from that. I mean, he's probably drafted in the, in the Blutarski 0.0% of leagues. Is there any chance this is the sustainable business model? Are you gonna rank nope. Shane Zilstra this week?
0: Nope, probably not. Don't nope. think so. OK, but yeah, no, that is literally a, uh, you know, uh, my guy Adam Rank does the that helps no one segments on yep. uh on NFL Network. That is Great literally the most that helps no one of all time, like not even a, not even a best ball team. Nothing with old Shane Zilstra there. Eight catches, eight NFL catches before this week. Well, I three, pretty important ones, I guess, in this one, uh, you know, a couple things on the Panthers here. Dante Foreman and, and the Russian performance that obviously this team uh, put up so much to point, by the way, Scott, that after the game, Dan Campbell went up to Steve Wilkes and was like, wow, hell of an ass kicking like he was he was hyped Oh, Dan Campbell was hyped up. They got run on so much. And that's how impressive this performance was. And it, you're so right that nothing would have led you to this. Nothing in fan. And this is just how it works sometimes. Like. Sometimes there's a total matchup buster, like a Donta Foreman performance. It just takes every trend. And it's not even like, oh, Donta Foreman, how many big time running backs have the Lions shut down coming into this game? And then it's like this guy, Donta Foreman, who, by the way, deserves all the flowers in the world for being, at this point, our best post-Achilles tear success story at the running back position. And it took a long time for us to get here with Foreman, but, you know, he's not. Like a top five back in the league or something like that, right? And, and he goes in and completely dusts this Lions defense. Like I said, that it, from a trends perspective, everything would have pointed you to this. It's just one of those things that shows you that how 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 crazy this fantasy stuff can be sometimes. And by the way, Sam Darnold, since he took over in Week Twelve, is number one among quarterbacks in adjusted yards per attempt. He's number two in EPA per dropback. And he's been hit 11 times. Like, this is a this is an offensive line that had been a problem before. I mean, Steve Wilkes has these guys playing great, and, and it takes, like, a mere cursory glance at this operation to know how much these guys love him, how much, like, he is getting the best out of them. I don't know. I think it's going to be tough if the Panthers, even if they don't make the playoffs, if they lose to Tampa Bay next week, which, I mean, wh- why should that game not be like a pick right? I-, I don't know what the opening line is or anything, or what you think the opening line is, uh, anything like that. I don't know, man. I, I think it's gonna be tough for them not to give Steve Wilkes this job. And I'm not usually the like give the interim coach the head jo- head coaching job, um, but I, I think he's earned it by how how this has gone. Remember, Carolina,
1: Tampa Bay already played once, and Carolina Dom I think it was twenty-one to three, and it was a, just a, a very that's right clear, definitive beatdown. Probably the wor- one of the worst. I, I would say probably the worst Tampa Bay game this year. But there's been other games that that may have been competition for that. So maybe I shouldn't be so definitive there. Let's let's play odds maker. I don't know what the line is. It's Carolina is at Tampa Bay. I don't I don't think these teams should be separated by much. I would just make it like a straight two and a half or three. I think the line's yeah. probably bigger than three, but I think it should be three. Car- yep. I, and the Buccaneers favorite. And I and I will take the Panthers all day.
0: Yep. I, I was thinking Bucks minus two and a half or, or minus three. That sounds exactly. Let's right do the to reveal. Me.
1: Let's do the reveal. I'll I'll call up my phone here. I'll go to the Yahoo sports app. Where we get the NFL odds, of course, from our friends at BetMGM. Is it one and a half? Is that what I see?
0: I think it's one and a half. Wow. Wow. I love it. I mean, that, 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 but that feels right based on where these two teams are right now.
1: I, I, so I, 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 maybe it's hard overhead. I'm going to be on the Panthers. I will guarantee you that. That I will promise 100%. you.
0: Yeah. And I don't care if, by the way, the Panthers are going to go into the, although you think they're going to go to the NFC playoffs and, The NFC playoffs, a weird, weird, weird team. I mean, weird teams there all over the place. I mean, there's going to be some weird quarterbacks in the NFC uh, playoff bracket. That is 100% for sure. So I don't care if they go in and get waxed in week one. I just think it would be pretty cool uh, to see them make the postseason. Next game up here, Bengals 22, Patriots 18. Scott, you're Patriots, man. Tough scene. Let me
1: correct, by the way. It's actually a three-point line. The Buccaneers are the the standard three. So, okay, that makes sense. Uh, And again, please, bet Carolina. Bet them responsibly, but bet them. Yeah, the Patriots, man. You know, a friend of mine, my, my great friend Dan Hamilton, was texting with me today, and he said, you know, this Belichick, you know, terse, you know, kind of testy press conference, it's cute when you're winning. You know, when you're 7-8, and eight, it doesn't really have the yeah. same uh, juice to it. And, and what's what's with Mac Jones turning into Grayson Allen, man? Okay, you, you're throwing picks, fine, and then you're taking cheap shots at the defenders. He, he's done this a bunch of times, you know, where he's grabbed yeah, yeah. a guy's his ankles, the, the Bengals are, are running back one of his picks, and he takes a cheap shot at the knees of one of the Bengals. That's, that's, cut that out. That's, there's no place in that, man. Respect the people. And I get it. The quarterbacks take a lot of hits, of course. The league is trying to protect them as much as they can, but. Um, I've kind of had it with Mac Jones. I know the Patriots had a comeback in this game. I wouldn't have minded if they played Bailey Zappi because I I think Mac Jones is kind of the, the poor man, Zach Wilson, these days, where I don't think he's a long-term answer. Now, you could argue, oh, well, what if he had the better setup? You, you know, like Some people are talking about, I saw speculation on Twitter, would Tom Brady come back to the Patriots? Why? To play in a cold-weather city with no skill talent? Uh, yeah, I, get me all of that. I, he had to leave New England because Brady was wise enough to realize that this team did not have the infrastructure, did not have, that's my word, did not have the ecosystem, that's your word, to support him anymore. So he went to Tampa Bay, which was the brand new SUV, which had everything, every option you needed. Now, maybe Tampa Bay is not that team anymore. Brady needs to go to a soft landing. The Patriots are poorly coached. They're a, I've never seen a Belichick team be this stupid with just doing dumb things. You know, I, and I hated to see Jacoby Myers be that guy two weeks ago, because I liked Jacoby Myers, and he is a smart player, and... The, the football gods gave him one back. He actually caught a Hail Mary on a, on a deflected pass this week after last week losing his mind and giving the game away. I'm a Jacoby Myers guy. I'm not here to dock him. He's actually one of their smart players, yeah. brain cramp one snap aside. But this is a dumb team, and it forces the question. I can't believe I'm saying this, but, I mean, you know, Belichick's you know, 69, 70, something like that. I mean, coaches. Bill Simmons wrote uh, maybe 15 years ago and whatever. Bill Simmons is you know, not like my NFL go-to for analysis. But he talked about back in like the mid-2000s, is 55 the cutoff age for coaches? And, and he at least made a reasonable argument. I'm not going to say I agreed or disagree with it, but he made the point. belichicks he's at an age now where I, I don't know. Is it better for them to move on? I know he wants – he has a really – acute sense of history. He wants to pass Hallis, and I, I do think he's on the Mount Rushmore of coaches. He's probably the best modern coach of all time, but yeah, this team has so many... I'm so sick of this team, and I realize they could have won the game late if Stevenson hadn't fumbled. and Maybe his forward progress had been stopped on that play, but... I do not like watching this Patriots team. And as a New England guy, I grew up in New England. I don't want them to make the playoffs. Just get a better draft pick. This team has no upside. I'd rather a team that can actually beat some people. I'd rather see the Jaguars make the playoffs than the Patriots. I'd rather see the Jets make the playoffs than the Patriots. I'm supposed to hate everything from New York. But I I just this New England team is just frustrating.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, and and at this point, too, their playoff odds have have pretty well dwindled down to about 20%. uh, The Patriots, I don't think you have to... Yeah, that's too much. <laughs> that's that's a chance I don't want to take right there. And your point about Mac Jones is well taken too, because number one, he doesn't make himself likable enough uh, for me to feel bad for him to be in in this situation. Considering these cheap, I mean, because that that stuff is so bush so league. It's ridiculous. So bush league is exactly
1: what it is. It's bush league. Don't do that.
0: Respect yeah, it, respect the guys who who are the gladiators that you are. You know, it's just there's no place for it. There's no place for it, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that Mac Jones has been ruined a little bit by what's going on in New England. Like, take the skill position players aside, uh, Matt Patricia. Like, you don't need to say any, those two words. Do it. Do it justice. That that's all right there. And I do wonder about Bill Belichick. Like, if like Robert Kraft had some pretty harsh words for Bill, uh, in you know, or at least didn't spare any words at the last year's owners meeting when he was like, "Yeah, losing in the playoffs like this much is not acceptable," or whatever. I I kind of wonder if Kraft goes to Belichick in the offseason and says, "Hey." You need to you need to make some coaching staff changes and you know Doug Peterson is not like Bill Belichick in terms of the history of coaches and all that type of stuff but when the Eagles did the same thing to Doug Peterson a couple of years ago they were like hey you need to make changes to your coaching staff or, or we're going to have to find something else here and Doug's like I'm, no I don't want to change my coaching staff so they parted ways with Doug Peterson and, and who's a great coach and he's coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars great I wonder if the Patriots do the same thing like hey no you need to make a real offensive coordinator hire like not this joke of a situation we've got going on right now. And I wonder how Bill responds to that. I think it will be one of the most interesting. Stories they're they're to gonna you. fire
1: they're gonna fire assistant coaches. Another reason is, and Belichick would never say this because he won't give us a straight answer on anything. But if you're a genius head coach and your team stinks, it can't be it can't be your fault. It's gonna be the fault of somebody else. So they get a scapegoat you know, like the Colts, I joke about the Colts having a different scapegoat every week, right? One week it's Matt Ryan, one week it's the offensive coordinator, one one week it's it's um, Frank Reich. They're going Joe and and Belichick was screaming at Joe Judge at one point during this game, which is what happens in you know on the sidelines. You know, it's heated, yeah, you're in the battle. You know, I I get it, some of that is even healthy to a certain degree, but uh, I think Patricia and is good as gone. And this team, you know, for years they had Dante Scarnecchia, who was their offensive line guru and and probably the best uh, one of the best assistant coaches of all time. And eventually he just got to a point he didn't want to coach anymore. I think he was in his 70s. And so many years the Patriots start the season with a kind of a ragtag offensive line and he would mold them into shape. And I I don't think they've ever found a good replacement for him. And as much as you can criticize Josh McDaniels for a lot of things, and maybe he shouldn't be a good head. uh, He's not a good head coach. Maybe not, but he was a good coordinator. I think they definitely, they would take him back in a second. They get him, but um, judge judge and or Patricia, at least one of those guys is gone. I think they're both going to get fired. And uh, maybe Bill O'Brien comes back. I don't know. There's going to be somebody else calling the shots this year on this offense. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, that is for sure. All right, we got to go kind of more, we're a little more pace here through these last few games, uh, and some of them definitely deserve a bit more pace here. Bills 35, Bears 13. Buffalo ran all <laughs> all over the Chicago Bears, 8.2 yards per carry as a team. Devin Singletary had 12 carries for over 100 yards and a touchdown. James Cook got in with 11 carries, 99 yards, and a touchdown. Of course, Josh Allen had his usual rushing line as well, 6, 41, and a touch. And we got the Dawson Knox touchdown. Uh, too bad it's not going to help any of my fantasy teams actually be any good because you know guys like Steph Diggs, two catches, twenty six yards, whatever. Uh, Buffalo though ran all over this Bears team, Scott, and I think that was kind of cool to see for a team that we don't typically see you know, win in that type of fashion.
1: Yeah, I needed Singletary in a game where he actually outscored Derrick Henry. Um, oh, dear listener, that you'll that notice this nice. is the only Derrick Henry reference on this podcast. Why is that? Well, you can probably figure it out because they got they got bounced in our Christmas miracle. But uh, I thought that the Bills were a little bit reckless with keeping Allen as long as they did. They throw a, you know, late, a couple of late touchdowns. Allen runs one in. He throws the last-minute touchdown to Dawson Knox. Given that the game was out of hand by then, I wouldn't be tempting the gods in that way. And it's tough for Stephon Diggs' managers to see him going through a slump at the wrong time. But the, the Bills are pretty much who we thought they were, and so are the Bears.
0: Yep, completely agree there. All right, Steelers 13 Raiders 10 Uh, the Steelers did not lose on Franco Harris day although they uh they made it close it was kind of fun to see the Steelers come back uh late in the end of this one although not fun I mean for the Raiders and you know Derek Carr three interceptions three sacks you know he's again saying after the game how much he, like, how tired he is of this Josh Jacobs similar sentiments as well like I don't know. That's some bad vibes there for the Raiders, but uh, the Steelers were able to pull out a close one with a pretty nice la- final drive from Kenny Pickett. In what was usually a what was largely a, a forgettable game here. They were the better
1: team. They had 350 yards of offense, and you know, if you look at the Pittsburgh defense, okay, the Bengals got them pretty good, but since their bye week, they've allowed 180. I'm going to take the Bengals game out. 408 yards. The other games for Pittsburgh's defense: 186 yards allowed, 290, 306, 309. They limited Carolina, our fuzzy little Carolina Panthers, to 209 last week, and then 201 to the Raiders. When you when you're allowing barely over 200 yards, you're supposed to win. All you need is the offense to be quasi-efficient. I, you know they left some points on the field. Boswell missed missed a couple of field goals. I think Pickett looks improved, and it's just you know just seeing Pickett to Pickens for the winning touchdown, and uh, them winning. The they even changed the the setup of the stadium, they went back to an old school lettering in the in the end zone and, and they won on Frank Harris. day. It just feels like all is right with the world. That's what should have happened. The team that played better won. The ascending receiver that we all like got in the end zone. Of course, Deontay Johnson would never get in the end zone. We know that. No. But um, I was satisfied. But it's, I had a horrible week for my picks. I thank God that Pittsburgh bailed out for me and actually won all the Christmas games. I don't know what that was, kind of a Christmas miracle. But I feel when you when you outgained a team 350 to 201, you're supposed
0: to win. So I felt like this result was justified. Right, and the other quarterback throws three interceptions. And by the way, shout out to Brent, the listener who tweeted me Derek Carr's record in in cold weather games and all that. Hundred percent good call by you, Brent. Uh, should have paid more attention to that one. Uh, next game up here, Forty Nine ers thirty seven, Commanders twenty. Ugh, we saw Carson Wentz in this game just as I feared we were going to end up seeing Carson Wentz in this game. I, I know Taylor Heineke's not like the the greatest thing in the world or whatever. I don't need to be seeing Carson Wentz in my life, uh, but let's talk about the 49ers because they're an actual good team. BCB moves to 4-0. and Another pretty impressive one in this one. And man, George Kittle just going off at the right time of the year. I know everybody's got their cute little jokes about, oh, good job for George Kittle teams of the consolation bracket. Give me a break, okay? That enough of that. I love to see George Kittle, uh, just fully blooming these last couple of games. Hey, that's
1: my Alvin Kamara joke. You notice that's the only time we talk about the Saints today, so you can figure out what that means. I love George Kittle. He's man, I love that guy. Um, to to me, the interesting talk here is about the Commanders because Jahan Dotson, when he's been healthy lately, he's been that classic first year receiver where the light goes on in the second half of the year. Great, being healthy helps, but. You know, Heineke got 9.2 per attempt. It's the two turnovers that they they couldn't accept. I I don't want. I think he's better for this offense than Wentz. It's damning with faint praise, perhaps. They gave Brian Robinson a million carries at the goal line, but the Niners' defense is so good they stopped them on all of them. But he, you know he still got 22 carries. Washington, I, I wonder if this could be a Brady team because yeah. he, I, I'd want to be handing off to Robinson. I'd want to be throwing to Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. I don't think it's too much of a leap to say that Dotson's going to be. This is going to be the popular. Take next year for everybody, yeah. Terry McLaurin's going earlier than Dotson, but Dotson's the guy you want. I, that's going to be yeah. said. I'd like rather have I'd rather
0: have Jahan Dotson at his ADP than Terry. Right, McLaurin you're going to hear that ADP.
1: five thousand times. It doesn't mean it's not right, though.
0: No, yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't. It doesn't mean it's not right. I think Jahan Dotson's a hell of a player, and I think Samuel still is a hell of a player too. Like they've just this this offense is very well set up to drop a great quarterback in there. I will say this though, Scott Taylor Heineke, since week twelve, been hit twenty six times. Tom Brady hit 28 times in that span. They're going to want to improve that offensive line if they're going to bring in Brady, because that I think is the biggest bugaboo right now for the Tampa Bay offense, although they've got a lot of problems. So but I agree with you. I think this would be like they're they're the team. I want to see what they do from a veteran quarterback perspective, because I think I still think Rivera is a great coach. I, I like Scott Turner as a play designer. And obviously, the position talent's great. So um, they just need I mean, shoot. I know Jimmy Garoppolo injury prone all that type of stuff but like even Jimmy Garoppolo on this team he's so he's so much better than Carson Wentz he'd be so much better than Taylor Heineke. like he would elevate I, the I, would be a great Senators fit for them for he'd be actually a perfect fit for them right because you wouldn't probably have to break the bank for him
1: yeah i like that I, I don't know how feasible it is but did you see after Curtis Samuel scored he had like the saddest look on his face all i could think of is he just knocked himself out of the fantasy playoffs like he's playing against <laughs> the Curtis Samuel team maybe
0: well i thought he i wondered if he's like yeah you know what I just caught a touchdown from Carson Wentz. Carson's the only guy who loves to throw to me more than like Matt Harmon would love to throw to me if he was a quarterback. That was probably what the actual thought was there. Okay. I, Carson Wentz might be the only, might be the big, the only person who's a bigger Curtis Samuel fan in this world than, than I am. Because as soon as like Carson gets in the game, man, he just goes after he just goes after Curtis, which I think is to the detriment of the offense because they have so many other good players, which Heineke helps illuminate a little bit there. But yeah, man, I mean, my God that i didn't see that i didn't see the, didn't see the face uh, but i'll have to go back and check another great dalton stat from his uh weekly wrap-up every team that's played the 49ers this,
1: this year has lost the following week which i don't know it sounds like a possible explanation is that they're so physical they beat you up and that you have a hangover the following week so uh let's see how the commanders
0: respond to that i mean hey it makes a lot of sense this is a tough team to deal with uh, the san francisco 49ers I, i'm really interested to see how Bro- how far brock purdy can take them man because i think he's just playing great like i he looks like a little, even a slightly uptick version of, of Jimmy G. I am I'm I'm I hope there's not like a puke on his shoes, disaster playoff game ending or something like that to the Brock Purdy story, because I think it has been pretty cool. All right. Well, it's a
1: nice seat. It's a great pilot chair to be dropped into. You yeah. have everything that you would yeah. want.
0: All right. Your skip, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Lord podcast gifted us each a skip. You have decided to skip. Texans 19 Titans 14 hey shout out to the to Texans at least for finally getting a win over one of these teams but we've you've elected to skip that game I have elected to skip Saints 17 Browns 10 only notable note there is we knew this was gonna be a Taysom Hill game it was a Taysom Hill game so that leaves us with one final game and I don't really know what we're gonna say about this one but I think we Ravens,
1: should skip this one too I think we should skip the Ravens and the Falcon look they're getting the ball to London he had a fumble fine uh the you know the Falcons' backfield is okay. Patterson lost a touchdown run on a on a call, and the Ravens, man, I can't think of a team that has a good record that has good coaching. They're going to make the playoffs, and they never look good when they win. They they are, I don't I don't know what they're they're like the the eight they're like the eight five offsuit of the NFL, where it's like you know you shouldn't be trusting them. You trust them, you somehow you end up making a ragged two pair, and the guy with kings is like, how did
0: I lose this hand? They got Sammy Watkins off waivers. He caught a 40-yard pass. He's wearing number 82, Scott. How, how awful does that 82 look on Sammy Watkins?
1: Not many players can wear their age on their uniform, but I guess Sammy Watkins can. <laughs> was he really in the 2014 draft?
0: I swear he was drafted with Randy Moss, but Sammy Watkins is still here. On that note, <laughs> I think that is going to do it for us. Uh, hell of a job, Scott. Uh, appreciate you for everything. And, and I hope you had a great Christmas, man. Uh, this was, this is, it was good to, good to chat with you after this one.
1: Always is uh, sorry to be long-winded, but it was fun. It was therapeutic. Good luck, everybody getting what they need tonight. And, uh, you know, let's win some championships next week.
0: Uh, I need I need my uh, co-host Austin Eckler to fumble like five times. And uh, is he willing then, to do
1: that for you? Can you can you call in a favor? Or what, what do you
0: think? I, I don't know. I mean, it's not too much to ask for a pal, right? Like just f- I'm just asking for five fumbles. You know, five fumbles and maybe tell Brandon Saley you're you know walk off in the middle of the game. I, not too much, right? Hey, yeah, you can fumble five times and still beat the Colts. I don't think it's too much to ask.
1: The any team that could do it is probably the Chargers. I, I wouldn't put it past them.
0: <laughs> yes, you're not wrong there. All right, that is officially going to do it for us. Can you really call yourself a Sharp Fantasy player if you're not following at Scott underscore Pianowski? I don't think so. You can and should, I guess, also be following me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB and at Yahoo Fantasy for the best memes in the business. Uh, Fresh off tonight's Monday night game, as we mentioned, LA Chargers running back Austin Eckler. Maybe fresh off five fumbles? Who knows? He'll be back with me on Wednesday for a new episode of Eckler's Edge. The waiver Wire pickups will return next season. Don't worry about it. You don't need to pick anybody up here at the end of the year. Give me a break. Until then... We're out.